This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast for January 21st, 2019. Some of President Trump's supporters from the election are still cheering him, others not so much. In this podcast, I'll talk to a free market supporting economist who supported candidate Trump and asking him now how he thinks he's doing. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, What matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. I'm Lee Purchase, and my buddy, Mr. Slim Turkey, and I get together every couple of weeks to chip away at the 1997 unsolved homicide of Richard Adderson, a good family man and father of three kids. He got involved in a minor car accident with someone who identified himself as a cop shot him once in the chest with a 40 caliber handgun, and then seemingly disappeared without a trace. Only the killer did leave clues out there, and with the help of Mr. Slim Turkey... I can't recall exactly what I said we were talking about, well, where we ended up in terms of... I forgot. We'll do our best to learn how and why this crime has gone unsolved for 22 years. Slim Turkey, the unsolved case of Richard Adderson is available on iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. On the line now, I have Michael Pento. Michael is the president and founder of Pento Portfolio Strategies. He's a well-known proponent of the Austrian School of Economic Theory, and uh, that's a supporter of free markets very strongly. He has been broadcast on stations from CNBC to Fox Business News and Bloomberg. His writing has been published in Forbes, in the Huffington Post, and the Wall Street Journal and others. Michael, you're very much a free market proponent. And when you see the current administration, the Trump White House, how much of a friend do you think that is to free markets? Well, I feel very ambivalent about the president because candidate Trump was one who very much espoused higher interest rates. He was constantly needling the Federal Reserve under then Fed Chair Janet Yellen to raise rates because he felt that the Federal Reserve was supporting the economy artificially by low interest rates, which of themselves were artificial, and thus promoting the presidency of then Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. And now President Trump is now needling the Fed to do the same thing that he was accusing the Fed of doing under Janet Yellen. He's Mm -hmm. now telling Jerome Powell that he must keep interest rates low. And here's the problem that I see here, William, Mm -hmm. is that if you're a lover of free markets, you want the most important uh, economic function, mm-hmm. which is the cost of money or the or the level of interest rates to be free. Mm-hmm. If you are an espouser and lover of free markets, you want that interest rate to be free. In other words, the supply of savings versus the demand for money. That should be the arbiter of where interest rates should go. It should never be the mandate or the edict of 
12 FOMC members or 15 FOMC members or a president of the United States. Mm -hmm. And by this, Donald Trump is an enemy of free markets because what he's doing, William, Mm -hmm. is he's promoting artificial interest rates, even though we have nominal GDP at 5% Mm -hmm. and an inflation target at 2%. So why would President Trump argue for a real interest rate, which is the interest rate minus inflation, mm-hmm. to be zero. And uh, thus answer the question, why would he do screw- that? Well, because, because he wants to promote a booming stock market. Mm-hmm. Because his presidency, he's gone on record saying that he wants his report card of his presidency's performance to be that of the stock market. That's a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a lover of free markets, your first question was, do I espouse free markets? I espouse free markets. But how can you have a free market if you don't have a free stock market? Mm-hmm. And how can the stock market be free if it's artificially inflated by endless quantitative easing or endless interest rates that are near 0%? Okay. You're obviously a financial low. expert. You're obviously a financial expert, I guess, way more than I am. But just so that I understand, so the listeners understand exactly, we have in the US very low interest rates for how well the economy is going. And you would expect right, that correct. a negative feedback would kick in, that the interest rates would trend upwards, and that would put a bit of brakes on the economy, stop a bubble economy. Mm-hmm. And what you think the president is doing is applying pressure to keep the interest rates down and keep the bubble inflating. That's good for the moment, but it risks bursting with a lot of bad effects later down the line. Is Am I getting that correct? Yeah, you're very, you're very much correct. And, and I don't know how good it is for the moment either, because you know, this entire time, what's happening to the savings and investment dynamic? Mm-hmm. I mean, are, 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 re, are retirees being rewarded for being savers? Mm-hmm. No, it's those who have a lot of debt that are being rewarded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, bubbles tend to pop violent, very violently. If you look what happened in 1989 in Japan, mm-hmm. their massive real estate and equity bubble popped, and they still haven't anywhere, become anywhere close to recovering that loss mm-hmm. in nominal terms, William, not even in real terms. So in nominal terms, their stock market is far below where it was. I mean, 39,000 was the high on the Nikkei Dow. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can't see so you have to you see what happens is when you do these, these things is you end up eviscerating the middle class. This is one of the reasons why Trump was elected. He was elected to to promote and bolster and and, uh, and some more and support the middle class. Mm-hmm. But how does the middle class supported by endlessly low interest rates, which hurts savers and keeps the very, very wealthy growing their assets? So there, there becomes a trenchant gap between the ultra rich and the very poor, the very poor. And the lower middle class and most of the middle class don't own many homes. They don't have a tremendous stock portfolio. So what you do is you create inflation, which hurts the lower classes the most, which what does inflation do? A a much higher percentage of their income is spent on on fuel, food, healthcare, Mm -hmm. college education. And and the upper classes have what? A lot of assets. Mm-hmm. So their 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 percentage of their expenditures on those basic needs is very low as a percentage of their of their assets and as a percentage so, of so, their wealth. So when you're saying prices when prices go up, working people, middle class people, the prices for them are quite important. But if you're a multimillionaire or a billionaire, the price of right. your groceries is so tiny compared to what you're earning or what you have as that it doesn't matter. As a percentage of the, exactly as a percentage of your income, you take the poor; they spend almost eighty percent. Of their of their income on on shelter, 
on food, on energy. That's a very, very small percentage of, of the ultra rich and then one percent. The, the, so the, the way you're talking about the environment. The, the way you're talking, Michael, you're sounding a little bit like somebody who uh, doesn't live too far away from you, this uh, famous new congresswoman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, my God um, forbid. Oh, she, God she, forbid. She, 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 she seems to be talking about show. working people. She seems to be talking about working people all the time. Do you have the same interests at heart? <laughs> well, here's the, here's the paradox here. Here's the irony. Those who are spouses of free market sometimes uh, align themselves with the people that uh, are, are like a, a very left-leaning uh, mm -hmm. bend to them. Like, like this new congresswoman, uh, except our solutions are totally different. The problem is obvious. If you're being honest, the problem is there. The problem is that the middle class is being wiped out. The, the, uh, the solution is, according to the far left, hey, let's just tax, raise the taxes on the ones that are producing this wealth. Raise mm -hmm. their, raise their um, cost of, of living in this country. And that's not the answer. I, I want to level playing for else? everybody. So what? So why, why do you want to discourage – why would you want to discourage the job creators, the entrepreneurs? Why would you want to discourage the next Steve Jobs? Mm -hmm. Why do you want to encourage – why do you want to discourage the next Elon Musk? Probably not the best example. But why do you want to discourage entrepreneurial spirit? Uh -huh. That's what you do when you tax people very highly. How about this? How, here's a real solution, mm -hmm. a fair solution. Why don't you stop screwing the middle class – by raising their rate of inflation, their cost of living, allow their currency to appreciate by letting interest rates rise, mm -hmm. and then let these asset prices fall. So here's let's put some math, some numbers to this, William. Mm -hmm. So asset prices, so you look at the value of equities as a percentage of the economy grew to 150% in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. and in, would, explain what that means. Not, not everybody might understand okay, that. So what the, does that mean? Okay, so the market cap of equities is the price of the equity price of the shares of, of stocks times the number of shares outstanding. That's okay. the value the total of value of all shares. So, so total value of all shares as a percentage of the underlying economy should never be anywhere near one and a half times. Mm -hmm. But that's where it was in the year 2000. And then we had a big bust. That's where it was in October of 2018, William. Mm -hmm. Back at 150%. Now, the average of that and, ratio and just, is about And just 60. again, for the people who aren't the economists, are you saying essentially that interest rates are so low that people yes. can buy into shares, they're inflating the price of the shares of companies, and they're getting higher and higher, expecting higher and higher returns, and sooner or later you get a bust? Well, I mean, it's all about competition for equity, mm -hmm. competition for capital. So if interest rates are very, very low, am I going to put my money in the bank? No. What am I going to do? I'm going to go where the Federal Reserve is telling me where to, where to, where to put my assets, which is mm -hmm. in, in the riskiest part of the spectrum. I'm going to go into high-yield junk bonds. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go into leveraged loans. And I'm going to go into FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, and Google. Mm -hmm. That's what they want. That's what they wanted since 2008, and that's what the, exactly what they got. So another figure here is the is the a, to, percent of assets, uh, total number of assets as a percentage of GDP. It's another mm -hmm. way of looking at that same figure, but that includes real estate. Mm -hmm. You know, when you take when you take interest rates and leave them at zero percent for nine years, what do you think happens to real estate prices? Well, they go up five or six percent every year as they've done since 2009. So the money is but cheap. That means people that, guess can what? get cheap so money, money to buy and then they, 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 the prices of houses go up and people yes. can't buy them. But you know what, William, you know what happens is the ultra-rich take out loans for near 0% and they buy huge 
uh, tracts of land and they and they buy homes and they elevate the price of homes, existing homes. Mm-hmm. And that takes the real estate price up, up and away out of reach of first time home buyers and the lower and middle classes. Let, let me challenge you. you. Let me challenge you on one thing. Sales are falling. Let, let me sure. challenge you on, on, sure. on one thing. You have a, a, a solution that you propose to this uh, this fault in the economy that is call, causing these problems. And people like the congresswoman we mentioned, I try not to mention these people too often, but people on the mm-hmm. left in the US have an entirely different solution. And if you look entirely at countries, it look at countries, uh, for example, in Western Europe or in Scandinavia, they have fairly successfully managed to have a redistributive economy whereby there is a much narrower gap between the richest and the poorest. And the, I saw, and I've forgotten the figure, but the, it was uh, in the tens of thousands, the number of people, for example, in the US who go bankrupt every year because of medical expenses. And in the whole of Western Europe, the number of people who go bankrupt because of medical expenses every year is zero. Isn't it possible that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez could say, hang on, there's a working model. Other countries manage to do what I'm suggesting we do. Do you have a working model? Do you have a country and say, let's do it like them, a substantial country with a real economy? Well, the United States, uh, uh, the, first of all, the United States was the, the, the bastion, uh, the paragon of success throughout the uh, 19th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were on a gold standard, and we, we, the Industrial Revolution uh, spurred out of that sound money policies that were uh, were envisioned by the United States. I mean, the United States is the best example of freedom that we ever we've ever had and success. Mm-hmm. So we don't. I don't have to look overseas. I mean, if, I can give you other sure, examples. Sure, but in today's of, in today's technological economy, well, let me let me answer the, let me answer the let me answer the question, William, please. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you, I mean, I don't want to emulate um, the 1960s through 80 the Russian co- economy. Do I want to em- emulate that of Cuba or Venezuela? Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of examples of when you have See, here's the here's the philosophy. What you want to do is encourage entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. You want to encourage business owners to create businesses. If you tax them at ninety percent uh, of their income, oh, but nobody what's does their that. incentive to to work? The tax rate in this country was ninety percent for a, for a short period of time on marginal tax uh, on marginal uh, income. Yeah, yeah, on the, on the mar- marginal rate. Yeah, marginal rate. So wh- where do you set that marginal rate? Is very very important. I'm not mm-hmm. for listen. I was dead set against the Trump tax cut, the reduction Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of business taxes because it was not paid for. What you want to do, and you've asked me on your program and I'm going to offer you a solution, William. Mm -hmm. What you want to do is you want to encourage the private sector and discourage the public sector. So you want to make government as small as possible, yet have a safety net. Yes, the government should be taxing people, should be taxing the rich and the poor. And the middle class should be taxing everybody. As a matter of fact, if you want to know the fairest tax is a consumption tax. That's the way I look at life. You, what you do is you should have a consumption, a very small levy on consumption and exempt to make it progressive. Mm-hmm. Make it make it so you exempt food and fuel. Mm-hmm. So the poor, the very poor of a, poorest among us pay no taxes at all. Really, they will pay nothing. Mm-hmm. Yachts and luxury automobiles, you, all those discretionary items, you put a, a larger levy. So that is a very progressive tax. It's very fair, but it also encourages, it encourages savings rather mm-hmm. than consumption. Mm-hmm. 
That's a very fair way of doing things, William. Looking forward, if there was one policy, uh, you mentioned interest rates, I know, but if there was one uh, economic policy that you could change moving forward, what would it be? Uh, well, economic policy, other than uh, abolish the Federal Reserve, would be to go to a consumption would be to, to go to a consumption tax. See, our interests are in line, William. This mm-hmm. is a nonpartisan show. Our in- interests are in line. And I think you're surprised to hear me say how much I am for the middle class. Mm-hmm. I want a very strong middle class. How do you do that? You have to encourage entrepreneurial spirit. You have to have a social safety net. You have to have a fair tax regime. But you also have to have fair and equitable interest rate regime which means it must be something that the Federal Reserve does not uh, usurp from the market to ensure that asset bubbles remain in place forever. That can't happen any longer. Um, how can you tackle what you call the FANG companies, the high-tech companies, hoarding billions of dollars offshore? Well, you actually, you know, you try to uh, repatriate that money. You give them one-time tax break to bring that money home. But what they did, instead of taking that money home and investing in capital goods and employees, what they did is they bought back stock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, is one, one of the, you know, I would have put a little asterisk on that. You know, you can repatriate your earnings, but I, you know, you will we'll encourage you, we'll give you an even bigger tax break if you invest in your employees and if you invest in capital. And you grow your you grow the company and grow the economy. However, if you bring it back and just buy back your stock so you can boost the executives and stock compensation, mm-hmm. then there'll be a much higher rate. That's another thing I would have done. It's all about you know I'm all I'm all about fairness and I want to I want to protect the middle class. It's just about how you go about doing that is crucial. You do not want to discourage the entrepreneurial spirit. You want to encourage freedom and a very strong private sector. But there are ways of doing that and there are ways of not doing that. And the, the worst thing you could do is to try to tax people at a very high rate so they don't expand and grow the economy. We have history is re, replete with examples of economies that overtax the business owners, the creators of wealth, the creators mm-hmm. of capital, and it has ended in disaster. Michael Pento, president and founder of Pento Portfolio Strategies. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you for having me on the program, William. Have you read a blog post or an opinion piece that you think is really right or really wrong? Tell us why. Email podcast at challengingopinions.com and let's discuss it on the next show. Go to the website for sources and links to what we were talking about. And while you're there, please like the show on Facebook, follow at ChallengingO on Twitter, and find out more about Michael and his firm at his website, pentoport.com, and get in touch with me if you can suggest a guest or topic for a future show. I now have a Patreon account. Thanks to the people who've signed up as patrons so far. I really appreciate that. More patrons mean that we can devote more time to research and finding interesting guests. And if you'd like to join those patrons, you'll find all the details how to do it on the website. And you can find out how to subscribe to the podcast for free on your computer, your phone, or by email. It's all at www.challengingopinions.com. The Changing Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. The assistant producer is Nick Albertson. Thank you for listening. <laughs>